Amen. All right. Well, let's put our psalters down. Anybody that's brought their Bible along, if you haven't, that's okay. But we are going to be working from Mark chapter 12. And I'm sure I'm going to call on people to read. Just the question is who, right? <laughs> Mark chapter 12. So in Mark chapter 12, Jesus has just told this very indicting parable. You might remember, he said there was a man who went and dug a vineyard. And what they grow in, what happens in vineyards? Grapes. And he rented it out to other men. And after the harvest had come, he sent servants. He sent servants to collect some of the bounty. When the workers saw the servants coming, remember what they did? They stoned some and they beat others. The owner's thinking, my goodness, what am I going to do? He says, I will send my, my son. I will send my son. Surely they will respect my son. These men that were in the vineyard that were renting it, though they hadn't paid any rent, they said, here's the son. Remember what they had in their mind? Let's kill the son and the vineyard's ours. Jesus turns to these Pharisees, the religious leaders of the day, by the way, the religious conservatives of the day. He turns to the religious conservatives of his day and said, what should be done to these wicked servants? And they resoundedly answered correctly. They should be thrown out cast out and the story stops and they realized that moment that that Jesus had pulled what Nathan the prophet had done to David when David was convicted in the sins with Bathsheba and he stopped the story and they realized that they had convicted themselves and they went away and they said we have to kill this one by wanting to kill him, they are going to fulfill the prophecy or fulfill the parable, weren't they? So they slink away. They slink away, and what I want to do is pick up when they come back to Jesus in verse 13. So I'm going to read a verse at a time. Matthew chapter 12, verse 13. Then they sent to him some Pharisees, the religious conservatives of the day, and the Herodians to catch him in his word in his words. So, remember who the Herodians were? What name does it sound like? People that followed Herod. Who was Herod? Bad guy. Emperor he was a bad guy. Yeah, that's fair enough. So the Pharisees wanted, uh, they thought they would catch, that Jesus would act like them. They thought Jesus would react out of fear. The Pharisees were regularly acting out of fear. So they brought in the Herodians. The Herodians, think about their gig. First off, you have to know the, the scenes behind it. In general, the Jews despised the oppressive control of the Romans. God had given them this land, but now it was no longer their land, right? The Romans were in control. The Romans were ruling. The Romans collected taxes. The Romans had soldiers stationed all around. The Jews weren't really citizens. They couldn't vote. They didn't have any legal rights. The 
Remember this? Every time Paul said, wait a minute, I'm a Roman. Oh, he's a Roman. We can't beat him indiscriminately. But they, that meant that they could beat the Jews whenever they wanted, however they wanted. You remember what Jesus says? When somebody asks you to go a mile, what do you do? Go two miles. A Roman soldier with a heavy backpack could come upon a Jew and say, carry my backpack. And the Roman law was you had to carry it one mile. And Jesus says, go two miles. So think about this inconvenience, right? So this is the world of which they're living in. The Herodians were the Jews highly pragmatic and highly political. They said, you know what? We can't beat them. Let's join them. Let's join them. Let's participate with them. And let's figure out what goodies we can get. So they were traitors to the Romans. And so who is brought? The Pharisees and the Herodians. So how do you think the regular Jews liked paying taxes to Rome. They hated it. And if Jesus says, no, we should pay taxes, how do you think that those that the Jew or the Pharisees all feared, the crowd, what do you think they were going to do? Turn their back on Jesus. He is not our Messiah. If Jesus says, no, we shouldn't pay taxes, what are the Herodians going to do? They're going to go tell the leader. Jesus was, they thought they had Jesus in the perfect, between the rock and the hard place. If he says left, we got him. If he says right, we got him. We got him trapped between the fear of the population and the fear of the ruling governor. We can arrest him or the crowd can beat him. They thought they had the perfect scenario, right? So let's see what happens. So they said... They, they thought they would catch Jesus in his words. Verse 14. When they had come to him, the Herodians and the Pharisees, they said, and you can almost tell it was very uh, scrupulous in how they would say this, right? Teacher, we know that you are true and you care about no one. You don't care about this crowd and you don't care about these Herodians. So, for you do not regard the person of men, but you teach the truth of God. Is it lawful to pay taxes to Caesar or not? Shall we pay or shall we not? So here's the trap. It's set. Notice they even double dog dare him. If you really say you are, you're going to keep up this, this thing about being so truthful and step in our trap, Jesus. Step in it. Here we go, verse, 15, verse 16. Jesus says, or it says, but he, know, but he, knowing their hypocrisy, said to them, why do you test me? Bring me a denaria, bring me a coin, that I may see it. So they brought it to him. Jesus sees right through their ruse, and yet he answers their, or he's going to answer their question. And guess what? We, 2,000 years later, are benefiting from this. But we have to have a second look at what he said and why he said it. So let's take careful note. He's holding the coin. A silver dollar. If you want to pick, a, pick one. He's holding this coin. And he said to them, whose image and whose inscription is on it? 
whose picture and whose writing is on it? And they said to him, Caesar's. And Jesus answered, render to Caesar the things that are Caesar's and to God the things that are God. And they marveled at him. He didn't back down one bit, did he? So whose image and whose inscription is on this coin? Everybody knew the answer. They had all held a coin in their hand before. It was Caesar's inscription, and it was Caesar's image on the coin. Therefore, we learn the truth that it is right to pay taxes, as painful as it is to say, right? Come April 15th, it's right to pay taxes to the civil government so that they may take up their perfect, their purpose, right? That they can carry out their God-ordained ministry and administer justice. I'm saying that because, but what about a wicked government? Do we still pay them taxes? Who are we supposed to pay taxes? Who did Jesus say to pay taxes to? Caesar, thank you. So, the Roman government, they were outright pagans and we were still to pay them taxes, even to the Jews, God's people then, that were sub-citizens. Remember, they were a conquered people. They were taxed. They had, no, uh, they had no say in how they were governed. They were randomly beaten. They were abused. And they had little recourse. The Apostle Paul, I'm going to recount to something that he says that's being paraded around by many Christians today. But the Apostle Paul reiterates Jesus' teaching. And he tells us to submit to the governing authorities. This is a famous passage uh, that you hear all the time now. By the way, just a heads up, I'm going to be talking about masks, right? Uh, face masks. So here, listen to what Jesus says. Or sorry, the Apostle Paul. Let every soul, this is Romans chapter 13, verse 1. Let every soul be subject to the governing authorities. For there is no authority except for God. And the authorities that exist are appointed by God. Therefore, whoever resists authority resists the ordinance of God. And those who resist will bring judgment upon themselves. For rulers are not, are not a terror to good works, but to evil. Do you want to be afraid of authority? Do what is good and you will have praise for the same. Think about what Paul's gonna say here. Listen, catch this full weight. He's talking about the Roman authorities. He says, for he, the Roman authorities, are God's ministers. The Roman authorities are God's ministers. Not of the word, not of the sacrament, but of justice. They are God's ministers. Can you imagine, did the Roman authorities think they were God's ministers at that time? They didn't give any credence to God. But they were God's ministers, whether they knew it, whether they accepted it or not. But if you do good, be afraid. But if you do evil, be afraid. For he did not, he does not bear the sword in vain. He is God's minister and avenger to execute wrath on him who practices evil. So, a couple questions to ask here. It says, Paul tells us to do what is good. Here's the, the conundrum. What if we do good and the authority says that's bad? It's not hard to imagine today, is it? 
not hard to imagine today. If you go and read certain passages from Leviticus about homosexuality or transvestites, you will be quick, you could be quickly stopped and saying that's evil. You say, no, it's God's word, it's right. But I want to pick up now. There are many Christians that will say, because of what Paul says, we absolutely obey authorities on everything and we never question them about anything. So I will tell you, I think this is either they are these Christians are either weak or they're deluded. This submission that God is talking about is not absolute. There is one who demands absolute obedience. Who's that? Christ. God demands that. These authorities are appointed by God, and he can take them down, he can raise them up. Now, God, through his scripture, has sent us rulers from time to time, his people, to rule us harshly. This is a sign of our disobedience. He may send us rulers to test us, to drive away idolatry. He may also send wicked rulers, raise them up like Pharaoh, that he might strike them down and show his strength and his glory. He may also send us from time to time good and godly rulers to show us his favor. Nonetheless, all of these rulers are God's rulers, and he will do with them as he, as he sees fit. So, their purpose is to encourage good behavior and to punish bad behavior. But here's the question. Who defines that good behavior and bad behavior? Is it arbitrary? Is it to be decided by each politician that gets elected? The answer for us is no. They are God's ministers, and he defines what is right and what is wrong. Even if they are outright pagans, the Apostle Paul tells us that they bear the sword. What do you do with a sword? Fight. Fight. Minister justice, right? You don't spank somebody with a sword, right? What do you do with it? Cut their head off. Cut their head off, right? So, think about, this is the ultimate of what they could do. And they could do a whole lot of other things below that. So, consider capital punishment in the scripture. I'll just pick out a few. Murder guilty of murder, if you were guilty of kidnapping, if you were guilty of rape, you deserve capital punishment. That's God defining it. So those who bear the sword in matters of justice, they administer justice all the way to death. They administer justice inside the country. We often call this the police, the court system. They administer justice if somebody from outside of our country does something to one of us. What do we call that? Aaron, you were part of it for a while. <laughs> military, right? It's a part of the military. So if 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 uh, the Canadians all of a sudden say, we're taking over New York City, some of us might say, have at it, but uh, but uh, it would be the, the army that stops and says, no, this is not your place, go back. And they would be administering justice. So... But I will tell you, Paul, even though his words are strong, doesn't mean absolute submission on all things. And I'm going to demonstrate that to you by showing you Paul's disobedience to the civil authorities. 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verses 33, 32 and 33. Paul is telling the Corinthians about his life and some of the things that are going on. He said when he was in Damascus, the governor... 
under Artemis, the king, was guarding the city. So they had sent out guards to the city with a garrison, so a bunch of soldiers. And you know what they were wanting to do to Paul? Well, probably, but they wanted to first arrest him. So Paul, following what he just said to the Romans, was completely obedient and says, here I am, come arrest me. Wrong. Wrong. He got a bunch of other people together and they lowered him out in a basket out of the wall of the city so that he could evade justice. He was a criminal on the lamb. He didn't obey them perfectly. All right? Apparently, whatever their reasons for arresting him was for good and not for evil. He was disobeying them. All right? He evades arrest, and he engaged others in his crime. Think about other places that Paul did not submit to the governing authorities. He talks about being shipwrecked. He talks about being flogged. Why would someone be flogged? And who would do the flogging? Flog means to be whipped with uh, straps and likely with straps. It was something the civil authorities did. Paul was flogged numerous times. Why would he be flogged? He was disobeying. He was disobeying them, but as he was disobeying them, who was he obeying? He was, thank you, McKenna. He was obeying God. <laughs> he was obeying God. Paul, the life of Paul, history tells us it's ended in the court of Nero. And Nero had him beheaded. Why would Nero behead Paul? Well, for one, he was a Christian. Because he was disobedient, right? Here is why Paul was disobedient. Paul said loudly, he announced somebody was Lord. Who was Lord and who was not Lord? Nero was not the Lord. Nero thought he was the Lord. But who was the Lord? God. God. Jesus was the Lord, right? He was King of Kings. We owe him all absolute allegiance and not you, Nero. Do you know how seditious that was? The Romans had conquered all of these people groups. The Romans, the Greeks, they came all the way around the... Uh, the Egyptians, they went up to the north and they got what was now France and Germany and England. And to unify all these people, they said, there's one king and it's Nero. And if you all want to do your own thing, we're done with you. You'll serve one God. And then the emperor even became deified. You will worship and serve him only. So it was seditious to do your own thing. And so Paul was doing his own thing to please God. Let's come back to Jesus' teaching. I'm back in Mark. And Jesus answered them, remember, render to Caesar what is Caesar's. What was Caesar's? What was the coin. And render to God what is God's. So now we have to think about what was God. What was God's? So it has to do with an inscription and an image. So on the coin was Caesar's image and Caesar's inscription. Tell me where do we find God's image? On us. On us. We 
we are made in God's image. Various coins. Now, that's right, very good. Now think about his inscription. Inscription is another word for marking. Who has God's mark? We do. And that's at baptism. We've been marked. So, render to Caesar the denaria, the coin. Render to God that which has his image and his marking. You see what Jesus was saying? Give him this pittance, but give God all. All that you are, your heart, your affection, your desires, your body, your mind. Give him all. So there are times when the government tries to demand our absolute allegiance. When they say jump, guess what they want you to say? How high, right? They don't want you to say why. They want you to say hi. Power for an ungodly person is intoxicating. It's intoxicating. They want, they love it, and they want to extend more and more and more. Instead of seeing themselves as ministers of justice, they want to see themselves as absolute sovereigns. They want to act like God. When, so when the state corruptly commands, when the state corruptly commands and oversteps its bounds, the church and fathers must righteously refuse. I'll say it again. When the state corruptly commands, going way past justice, the church and the fathers of families must righteously refuse. They must say no. So Lord Acton made this famous quote, absolute power corrupts absolutely. And our forefathers knew this, so they had these checks and balances in our government. Think about God's ordained power structures or places. He's got fathers of families, churches over, or leaders of churches, and civil government. And there's a balance. At any one time, one group tries to take over another group. So we have to make sure that we're ready to say no uh, when they do this, right? And out of love to God and to our neighbor, our mistaken neighbor, we say, no, you are only a man. I am not going to obey you like God. Think about, let me just pull out a few actions. They assume, they assume we are too dumb. They assume we are too dumb to save for our own retirement. So we should send them money, and they will invest it. And we have, the, we have the worst rate of return. This has nothing to do with justice, does it? But we feel safe. We send them money to organize and oversee schools. Then the government dictates what is taught. They say there is no God, there is evolution of species and gender, male, female, is only a social construct. This has nothing to do with justice either, does it? But it allows us to be lazy. They tell us how many calories to ingest, right? How, many, how much carbonated beverage we are allowed to drink in a day. And we readily submit to them because they claim they are science. They're speaking sciences on their side. You know the ones, these are the same ones that say they don't know what the gender is, or that you could decide it later in life. They shut down businesses and churches to protect us from a virus. And say, church, the 
worship of God is non-essential. But guess what is essential? The liquor store. And in certain states, the pot shop. In order to keep us happy, what do they do? They send us money. What do we call it? Stimulus check, right? I call it hush money, and we readily submit. They tell us to wear a face mask, and we go along. But this is not a matter of justice. It's a matter of health. Ask your mother what you're supposed to do, and she'll tell you. Right? She's been providing good health for you for all these years. Not the government. Give, so we give the government taxes so that they can administer justice. However, we have to resist the government when they demand your all. Only do we give that to God. It would be disobedient to God to yield to them. They want your children. They want to teach them. They will set them straight. They will teach them to be obedient citizens of their kingdom. Instead, we should be teaching our children to be obedient citizens of God's kingdom. They want your body. They want it masked and vaccinated. Yet we are God's possession, filled with his Holy Spirit and guided by him and not some guy telling us about science. They want your worship. How do they want your worship? They want you to plead with them to provide your provision. They want to provide, they want you to plead with them to provide care all the days of your life to protect from all harm. Generations now have learned to turn towards Washington. Help us, help us, help us to make the world right. We had flooding, go to Washington. We had a tornado, go to Washington. They are turning to the pseudo-God and the pseudo-God will not accept any competition. Therefore, they readily demand you to stop worshiping the triune God, for they've deemed him unimportant. You can serve him, maybe, but don't mention him in the public square. He has no claim over us. Over them, they say. They want your allegiance, and they want your full obedience. They do not want you to question. They want you to submit. They have their own evangelists and their own prophets. Turn on the cable news network. Listen to the story these people are telling to make us fear, to cower in fear, and to turn to the almighty government, those in power, to make things right. The story they tell, they know it's not always true, but it need not be true in their mind. If it conveys their intended purpose, that's good enough. They don't care if they're lying. It is most interesting that many civil government, though in civil government, are turning away from their primary function. Remember, it's administer justice. So what, what's been the cry this whole summer? Defund who? Me. Not you. Who Defund the police. Defund the police. The one thing they should be doing. They're not. They want to take all the money and do everything else that your mother should be doing, that your father should be doing, and this church should be doing. They want to dispense truth. They want to point you to the way of their salvation. They want to take up the God-ordained task of the family. They want to teach your children. They want to care for the sick. They want to provide your housing and your food. They're drunk on power. And the more we submit to them, the more we're going to turn away from God. So remember what, what uh, the apostle, or what Jesus said, render to Caesar what you should. Render to God everything else. 
And so we have to wisely learn how to say to Caesar, no. And in fact, in our democracy, we are getting what just exactly what we want, right? We are asking for Caesar to be God. So brothers and sisters, the day is upon us, right? Where we cannot run to another location. We can't run to another country. We can't run to another state. They'll find us. But we have to be prepared to fight, even as we talked about tonight. Sing the Psalms, rejoice, give thanks, and proclaim Jesus is Lord. I'll end there. Questions, comments? <laughs>